welcome to the next community podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Angelo Luciani, along with Laura Whalen. Hello. Hi there. And from Tech Reckoning, John Troyer. Hey, Laura. Hey, Angelo. Hi, guys. On today's podcast, our guest is Michael Webster, Senior Solutions and Performance Engineer at Nutanix, and we chat about virtualizing business critical apps. Interesting topic. I think John uh, earlier mentioned when we were off uh, before recording, you know, some some things change, some things change but stay the same sort of thing, John. It was interesting to me listening him talk about the various generations of conversations he's had moving people off Unix systems to uh, Linux or x86-based systems, you know, moving people to virtualization and now moving people to hyperconverge. That it's kind of funny the, the the exact details of the technology shift change, but the conversations with app owners seem to remain the same. That people are interested in risk, people are interested in performance, people are interested in moving to to new platforms that give them better efficiencies, but uh, you know they have the same sort of conversations every couple of years. It's very cyclical, like life, you know. <laughs> yeah. Where, where I was in the past, one, one thing that sort of prevented us from virtualizing a uh, business-critical app uh, was licensing. Uh, in, in our case, it was Oracle Database. Um, There's some issues around that in licensing. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if that's still a, a stumbling block today. Um, I, I, I don't recall Michael refer, you know, referring to that really in, in, in the interview, but uh, that was one of our, our challenges. A lot of people still are worried about that. Actually, Michael has been one of the key experts in the world driving that discussion. Uh, when he was at VMware, he was not afraid to take on uh, folks like Oracle. Again, that's one of the conversations he has with application owners, kind of explaining to them how to construct their clusters uh, so that the licensing restrictions you know, apply correctly. What I think is kind of interesting is, you know, Michael Webster's, he is literally at the end of the earth, right? He is in New Zealand. <laughs> right, and he is one of the world's experts on virtualizing business critical apps. He's got that new book out, and he, you know he he's literally driven the conversation for VMware and for the industry on on licensing of of especially around Oracle, and that's really kind of cool that you can do that from New Zealand. Yeah, it's he's got a, a great reach. That's that's for sure. Uh, one of the other things I liked, you know, hearing about in the uh, in the interview was folks moving uh, off of uh, e- proprietary Linux uh, Unix systems to uh, x86 platform. Um, I know in another in another time for me, uh, Unix was was really the bedrock for the for the company, and um, I, I'm seeing a lot more folks move off that that platform to the sort of to the x86 platform. You're equating a, a operating system with a chip architecture. Y- yes, anyway. that's right. So you guys were on proprietary chips and then moved to more commodity chips. That's right. That's right. And um, you know performance. Uh, I didn't hear anyone complain about performance. That's that's for sure. <laughs> well, usually you're upgrading really old hardware to new hardware, so that helps too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, with that, let's get in- into the interview and hear from uh, Michael. Welcome to the next community podcast. Today we have the all black of the data center. We have Michael Webster joining us today to talk about business critical applications and uh, what he's been up to with his uh, – both his business and personal life. So I'll, uh, I'll swing it over to Michael just to give us a chance to catch up on uh, what he's currently working on, and then we'll, we'll dig into business critical applications. Uh, thanks very much, Dwayne. And for those that don't know, the all-black comment is related to 
rugby union, for those of you that are not in a rugby union playing country. It's uh, great to be here. I've been working a lot uh, recently on Oracle, Oracle Rack, uh, SQL Server, Exchange, and even SAP uh, systems running on Nutanix platforms and, and making sure we get the right performance and we know how to set them up properly and everything like that. And working a lot with customers that are going to be references for us that are already running these types of critical applications on our platform as well. I think from a, like a business critical applications perspective, whether that's SQL, Exchange, whatever the app is, I think there's probably two camps. One, they're still physical and don't trust virtualization. And the other ones, they're, maybe, they're already running it today virtualized, but maybe looking to do something different. Just to get us going, want to maybe talk to the first point about why you'd want to virtualize your, your business critical applications Sure, and I think a lot of that is, is a legacy from quite a few years ago when it wasn't really a good candidate to virtualize these types of applications, you know, because it's not that many versions ago, probably four or five versions ago in the case of VMware, that, you know, you really couldn't run a really big application. And most of those big applications, not only were they running physical, they were running on traditional Unix systems because that's the only way you could get the number of processes and the amount of memory that you needed to run these things. But in the last, you know, three or four years, probably five years, it's really been a realistic option to virtualize, you know, large business critical applications in Monster VMs. So these are applications with 32 or 64 CPUs uh, with 100, um, you know, gigs plus memory, you know, 256 gigs of memory. Um, you can easily run those sorts of systems on x86 these days with with any one of the hypervisors that Nutanix supports. And it's good to be a non, you know, not locked into any one particular hypervisor as things change in the future. Um, so the reasons that people still run things on physical is uh, partly because they're not aware of the advances in the technology in terms of the hypervisor and partly because they're not aware of the quality of service features that allow them to achieve better SLAs in a virtualized platform than what they've got physical. So one of the first reasons to virtualize a business critical application is that you've got high availability built into the platform. So even if the physical server goes down, you've got uh, HA is going to kick in and you're going to be able to restart that application on on another server. Now, if it's a physical Oracle Rack implementation, they'll say, well, we've already got high availability built in because it's Oracle Rack, and that is true. But you've still got to patch the system. You've still got to upgrade the system. Um, if one of those physical servers fails, it's still going to take you four hours to replace the physical server. In a virtualized environment, even with Oracle Rack, if a physical node goes down, the Oracle Rack node that is part of that cluster that is affected immediately restarts on another system and gets you back up to 100% performance and 100% availability within a few minutes. So wow. your risk profile is greatly reduced. So not only are you improving availability, but you're reducing risk by virtualizing. Now they say, oh, well, what about performance? So that's another key reason why they think they have to go uh, physical. Well, there is an overhead in virtualizing, and it's between 2 and 6% um, in terms of CPU. But that overhead is only um, apparent when you're running at 100% utilization. Now, business-critical apps are not built to run 24 by 7 at 100% utilization. There is periods of time where they will run at 100% utilization, especially during batches and things like that. But for the most part of the day, they won't be running at 100% utilization. And again, going back to the Oracle Rack example, 
most Oracle Rack environments are built and designed to run at f- between 50 and 60% utilization. So in those cases, they're not going to see any overhead in terms of virtualization, and they'll get the same performance or better. Now, when we talk about virtualizing business-critical apps, the term that I always use is virtualize but don't compromise. So there should be no compromise in terms of performance. In fact, performance should be the same or better. There should definitely be no compromise in terms of um, SLAs or service levels and certainly no compromise in quality of service. Um, And that's easily achievable with modern hypervisors and modern architecture. Virtualizing business-critical apps is not like virtualizing test and development. Test and development, the primary objective was getting the highest consolidation ratio so that you could have the least amount of physical servers um, and you know performance in, in some of the service levels wasn't as much of a concern. That's definitely not the case with the business critical app. The reasons to virtualize business critical apps is more about reducing risk and improving availability and service levels than it is about consolidation ratios. In fact, consolidation ratios would be the least important aspect of virtualizing a business critical application. Would you consider when you're virtualizing that now that your application's virtualized that you have a you have an easy way to create test dev off of it and that that in itself could lead to higher uptimes? Absolutely. And one of the things that I've seen in uh, large environments, especially where they have lots of developers, is the time and energy cost associated with creating those test and development environments, which then forces them into a position where they can't find defects early enough, which then risks those defects going into production, causing a production incident. So by virtualizing the applications, you can easily take copies of that application so you can get uh, a valid representation of that environment in a test lab that's isolated off from production so that you know that you're testing exactly the same thing. You can find defects early. If you want to create more test environments, it's a matter of seconds to create a complete test environment rather than weeks, which is what it used to take um, prior to virtualization. So this means that from a software aspect, you get much higher reliability and less defects going into production. Yeah, I think you just had a video that you created cloning out some SQL servers. Yeah, that's correct. So I've just published a, a video on uh, YouTube cloning uh, 12 SQL Server uh, virtual machines. And this is like the test development use case. With the Nutanix platform, we do intelligent cloning using um, the relevant offload technologies from the various hypervisors. And that means that each of the clones doesn't actually take up any additional space on our platform, but it gives the test dev users access to an exact replica of the production environment. Now, that entire video is only 4 minutes 30 long, but the process of creating those 12 400-gig databases, including customizing the operating system, getting it ready to run, ready to test, was less than 15 minutes. Now, if you're trying to do that in a physical environment, it would be more like 15 weeks. Wow. that uh, You can see why. <laughs> I guess that kind of makes the point of why to why you'd want to virtualize in the first place, or at least one of the reasons. Yeah, um, a lot of the uh, what we discussed so far has been all about a single site, single location, single data center. The other main reason to virtualize is to absolutely radically simplify disaster recovery and business continuity. Once you have a virtual machine, it's in a standard format. It's very easily portable to different locations. It is incredibly consistent so that you know when you recover it exactly what you're going to get. Again, this goes to reducing the risk. You can run through a a disaster recovery runbook, and you know you can get exactly the same result every single time you do it. Now, from an auditor's perspective, if you're a financial institution that has to have proven disaster recovery plans, it's very easy to be able to prove it. 
in a virtualized environment and to be absolutely consistent in that virtualized environment too. With the Nutanix platform, of course, we've got replication, snapshots, disaster recovery features built in. Um, and then you can also integrate with you know, other popular disaster recovery tools on top to provide runbook capabilities and auditing reports. I mean, that is incredibly difficult in a physical environment to be able to do that. We're also not restricted to a single location for the recovery. You can replicate to multiple locations and recover to any one of those locations. Um, and that goes to the portability of the virtual machines, reducing the risk of running those systems in a virtualized environment. I can remember trying to do boot from SAN early on, and I thought that was like a fairly good way to provide some DR, but then <laughs> on the, the other side, uh, we had different servers, and then obviously the whole driver thing comes into play, and you have another ball of wax yeah. to deal with. Exactly. So with a virtualized environment, you don't need to have exactly the same type of hardware. You don't need to worry about all those driver incompatibilities. You don't need to worry about those firmware versions. You can have different models of platform at each site. So in our, in the case of Nutanix, you could have the Nutanix appliances at one site. You could have uh, the Dell Nutanix appliances at another site. Or you could have different models of the same appliances at different sites, depending on what your requirements are. Um, and you can recover exactly the same in, the, in exactly the, a consistent, repeatable, simplified manner um, all the time. Uh, and also the testing is very important. It's, I mean, recovery is no good if it doesn't work. So being able to test non-disruptively and without impacting production is incredibly important to be able to verify and validate that it's going to work when you go to do it for real. So by being able to recover those images in a snapshot on another site and put them into a bubble isolated network, you can absolutely test the applications, not just the infrastructure, get the applications team involved, make sure you know what the recovery process is from the app side because the only reason we have an infrastructure is to run applications. Um, so if you can verify it at that level, then that can give you a lot better confidence when you have to do it in an emergency, when everybody's going to be stressed, when the person who designed it in the first place might not be available, you know, the worst-case sort of scenario. Now, the problem is there's a lot of places that still have traditional Unix systems, which are still incredibly difficult to, to recover from, or even mainframes. There's still a lot of mainframes out there, especially in banking. When it comes to Unix systems that are running you know, Oracle databases and things like that, they can easily be migrated over to uh, x86 virtualized environment, and you can get all of these benefits from it. So just because you're running a traditional Unix platform doesn't mean you're stuck running that traditional Unix platform. In a lot of cases, you can migrate it, and then you can get a lot of these benefits from it. I get business-critical apps. Obviously, there's a, there is a, a fair amount of performance that's required, needed, um, but how much do you think, you know, performance versus consistency, which kind of plays a bigger role? Well, there's actually a lot of apps that would be classed as business or mission critical that it's more about availability and having very low recovery times and, you know, data protection is absolutely the most critical thing. A lot of them are not going to exceed the limits of what we can deliver from a technology and a performance perspective. Performance is definitely important because you have to know that you can meet the requirements but most of these applications aren't pushing, pushing the boundaries of the performance and what can be achieved. It, most of it's about reducing risk, consistency, data protection, and being able to guarantee the SLAs to the applications teams in the business. That's the, the number one priority. Performance is a secondary priority. It has to be met, but a lot of the time it's not a technical barrier. There are also non-technical um, 
considerations when it comes to virtualizing business critical apps, such as support and licensing and all of that that fun stuff, which can absolutely be overcome as well. But those are normally the concerns that the DBAs and the applications teams have is like, well, how are you going to guarantee me the uptime? What sort of process are you going to go through to make sure that we can recover, that we can migrate, that the performance is going to be acceptable um, and all those sorts of things? Because for a lot of the teams from their perspective right now everything's fine it's not broken so why do we need to fix it in a lot of cases if you really ask them deep down there is some things that are broken there's some things that aren't going well especially in the development testing life cycle that we've touched on i mean if you can take a process that takes 24 weeks to get a, a new function into production and the defect rate percentage is high and you can then turn that around and do that in a matter of a couple of weeks with a low defect rate I mean, that's huge, huge benefit, especially if you consider a lot of these application development projects, they have hundreds of developers and testers working on them concurrently. So you're potentially saving millions and millions of dollars by doing test and development more effectively and reducing the defect rate going into production. And of course, you're improving the availability of the production system as well by having less defects. Yeah, if I could just chime in real quick, we um, we, we virtualized a um, HRMS uh, human resource management system in, in the past, and you know it was deemed a critical application to the company. Uh, it was running a SQL Server uh, on Win- on Windows uh, 2008, and it was interesting because once we virtualized it, uh, we actually had folks. Surprisingly enough, we actually had folks come to us and say, "Hey." I'm noticing this app's running a lot quicker, running a lot, uh, you know, a lot better. We're, we're getting fewer um, hang-ups or um, timeouts, etc. So that was a interesting uh, side note to virtualizing what you know at the time was considered a business critical app in in that particular environment. Hmm. Yeah, Webster, is is there an app challenge that you're working on now that you think is particularly interesting that you can tell us about? I mean, names anonymous, of course. Well, at the moment, I seem to be spending a lot of time working on trying to make invalid test cases run faster. (laughs) Uh, So when I say that, um, uh, people are trying to run a single query, which, for example, is inserting 100 million rows to a database one row at a time. And that's not really the way a real production database works. Normally, if you're going to insert 100 million rows, you'd be doing it in batches, you'd have a process that's more efficient to do it. And you, in most databases, they run more than one query at a time. But, you know, we're still successfully able to get these queries to run well. It's just that these these types of test cases are not a valid representation of the way a real system works. So you can't really make a call on whether the system's going to perform to your expectations. Mm. So yeah, that's what I've been spending a lot of time on at the moment. Um, I'm spending a lot of time helping customers understand the translation from their application requirements into a virtualized world, and also how to migrate their Unix systems into a virtualized world as well. So just to give you a bit of background, I migrated my first Unix system to x86 back in 2001, and this was an IBM RS6000. It was for the international moving system for the largest freight logistics moving company in the world. And I had the most complaints from that project that I've ever had from any project that I've run since. And the reason for that is... Nobody could make a coffee in the morning anymore because the system was too fast. <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. They couldn't log on, go away, make coffee, and then get back to their desk, and it would still wait a couple of minutes. It was instantaneous access response time to those systems. Now, 
in terms of virtualizing Unix systems and putting them on x86, virtualization by itself is not new. Virtualization has been around for 30 plus years. IBM had it in the 60s uh, on mainframes. It's been around in Unix systems for a long time. But virtualizing those Unix systems and putting them on x86, I've been doing that since uh, 2006 and basically virtualized New Zealand's tax system since 2007. So the, the, when I don't you talk know if about you want to tell people apps, that. Well, it makes it much more efficient at collecting tax. I can tell you that it's a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. But also the, the main reason I got into that was the, uh, the national pension system in New Zealand. I was heavily involved in designing, architecting, and delivering that so that you know, people can save for their retirements. And that process back in 2007 is all virtualized. So the back-end systems, the front-end systems, the web systems, the whole works. If you take a look at those systems in terms of business criticality, $70 billion a year runs through those systems. If they go down, there's a serious amount of money that gets lost. Now, not taking that as an example, but other systems that I have worked on, if they're down for three days, there's $380 million of hard costs that are lost. Now, obviously, that is what I would define as a business-critical app, something that has that sort of a high impact to a business. If it's going to mean serious reputational risk, uh, if you're going to hit the front covers of the media, if it's going to potentially risk your business viability in terms of you might go bankrupt, you know, that's a real serious business-critical app. But if you virtualize it, you reduce the risk uh, for those applications. And fortunately, with a lot of the systems that I've worked on, even way back in 2007 that have been virtualized now for eight years can't believe it's eight years now. Anyway, they're still running, and they haven't had any downtime. And the performance, uh, when we virtualized them at the time, we took them off uh, Unix platforms. We got 10 times performance gain at the time when we were virtualizing those systems. That is real hard cost justification, service level justification for looking at virtualizing some of these apps. And I've done projects with hundreds of databases and hundreds of terabytes of storage involved and all the application servers and everything else that go in there. The most important thing is actually not the technology. It's the process by which you take the business from where they are today to where they want to get to and make sure you do it in a low-risk way, and it's tested and verified every part of that way. So you're always getting consistent, predictable results. Now, that works very well with the Nutanix platform because we're all about simplicity. We're all about consistency. We're all about predictability when it comes to designing, architecting, and also scaling the environment. So today, for business critical apps, you don't have to go and buy you know, $2 million worth of kit up front when you're not going to use it for 18 months. You buy what you need today, and you grow it. And you can put the same applications, the same business critical applications on a Nutanix platform as you can on any other platform. But we make it a lot easier to manage, a lot easier to operate. And as a result of that, there are significant cost savings over and above the technology savings. If I look back on some of the projects that I've done now and Nutanix was available at the time, which I wish it was, I could have easily saved eight figures in some of those projects. So some of the projects I've worked on, which were like 20, 30, 80, 100 million dollars, we could have saved 10% of the budget if we'd used the Nutanix solution. And that's not all because of the hardware costs. A lot of that is because of the project costs, the development costs, the testing costs, and everything else on top. Now, that's not going to be the case in every single situation, but if you do a proper analysis of what your costs are and what the benefits are of the Nutanix environment, you could definitely save significant amounts of money once you look at the bigger picture, not just the infrastructure. Have you gone back to any of those implementations you did oh so long ago and talked to them about you know the solutions available today and been working with them as well? Or 
Yeah, absolutely. And a lot and a lot of them are in the position where they're ready to look at something new. And a lot of them are doing projects with Nutanix right now. There's actually a really good example, um, a bank in the Middle East that I worked with to virtualize their core banking system. And these guys are one of the first in the world to virtualize core banking. And they've done it successfully. It's been running for about 18 months now in production. This was well before I joined Nutanix. So at the time, I wasn't aware of Nutanix. It wasn't an option for them. It is now an option for them. And they are seriously looking at using our platform to take on that core banking system. I mean, that runs the bank. If that system doesn't work, the bank doesn't work. The bank doesn't make any money. Everybody can just pack up shop and go home. But that's virtualized. It's been running well. They got better performance. They got better service levels when they virtualized it. The reason they're looking at Nutanix now is because they're actually getting, uh, they're not achieving the service levels as well as they could out of the old system. So the system's still running well, and it's been more successful virtualized, and it's been faster virtualized, but they want to make it run even better. And that's really what they're looking for Nutanix to provide them with. But they also want to reduce their operational costs. They don't want the complexity of the old system because just because it has to be running and it has to be always on and it has to be high performance doesn't mean to say it necessarily has to be complicated. So we were all told you know, over the last X number of years that in order to get high performance, high service levels and everything like this, you've got to have a really complicated environment. Well, the applications are complicated enough. We don't have to make the infrastructure any more complicated than it needs to be. So we want to make the infrastructure as simple as absolutely possible. Now, with a traditional three-tier model, it's very complicated to do anything, and it's way more complicated than it needs to be, and we can achieve much better service levels and the same or better performance in a simple way with the modern platforms such as Nutanix. Um, Michael, you've had quite a few books out on the market now. Do you want to maybe just tell tell the listeners what you've been working on lately and, and maybe where they can find them? Yeah, sure. So um, I uh, published a book late last year uh, with VMware Press. I was co-author of Virtualizing SQL Server with VMware, uh, Doing It Right. That's the official VMware guide to virtualizing SQL Server, and that was uh, co-authored with Michael Corey and Jeff Sastek, um, and that's been available since August 2014. I've just recently written a an ebook for VMware called um, you know virtualizing business critical applications uh, why you'd want to do it and we basically go into a lot of the case studies around projects that have been successful the types of business critical applications how you approach it from a process standpoint to to realistically achieve it I'm not sure when that's going to be published but that's going to be out soon I was also the reviewer of um, Virtualizing and Tuning Large-Scale Java Applications, also published by VMware Press. And again, that can really help customers that want to move those traditional application servers, web, uh, you know, app servers off Unix platforms into a virtualized environment. That's been out for a couple of years. So that was authored by Emad Benjamin, uh, who's a principal architect at VMware, and I was the, uh, the reviewer with that. I've worked a lot with Emad on uh, a lot of you know large-scale Java projects around the world. And then, of course, there's my blog, which I keep up to date with all of the latest um, things that I'm working on with regards to business critical applications and virtualization in general, and that's at longwhiteclouds.com. Well, that's a, a slew of resources for, for people to, to look in at. If, you know, if you're just getting started, whether you're physical or you have some existing gear, what's the best way to kind of dip your toes in the water um, for Nutanix? Is it just getting a POC, get a block, or... Like, I guess maybe it's a depends question on how big the application is. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think the best way to get started is to actually analyse what the requirements are for the application and, and record some baselines. Getting that sort of information is going to give you an easy way to determine the right solution to improve the performance, availability, and service levels for that application to the users. Once you understand the application, then you can choose the right solution. And that's the best way to start because oftentimes you don't need to do a proof of concept to get a great solution from Nutanix. You can take a look at the requirements. You get one of the the many um, highly skilled architects that are at Nutanix to help you size and design the project and then get the right solution from day one, talk to some reference customers. Um, If it's something new or it's out of the box or, uh, you know, it's on the edge of, you know, what you think is technically capable to virtualize, then then you, you might want to do a proof of concept. But most applications these days, uh, unless you're talking about tens of terabyte database sort of things, can be very easily virtualized on a Nutanix platform without doing a proof of concept just by taking the reference architectures and documents that are available from Nutanix that we've already produced. So I produced a best practice paper for Oracle and Oracle Rack on Nutanix. I've done a video of how Oracle Rack works on Nutanix, including uh, live migrations when it's under 100% CPU load. There's the video um, on YouTube as well for the SQL Server you know, test environments, being able to stamp out multiple you know, 400-gig databases. Um, and we've got lots of customers all over the globe that are already doing what most people already want to do, and it's already been proven. So that really shortcuts by using the, the reference architectures, the best practice papers, the testing that's already been done, and talking to existing customers, that really shortcuts the process for new customers that want to know that it's going to work and it's going to work for them in their sort of environment with their sort of requirements. That's a good thing about it coming to an established you know, technology um, that is really robust, is that you know, you've got the documentation, you've got the testing, people have done it before, you know what you're going to get, um, and it can make that very easy. I mean, I really see Nutanix as the way that internal IT teams can combat the cloud uh, and, and their app developers just taking their credit card and going to the cloud when it might not be the best solution. Now, sure, the hybrid cloud is the next thing for sure, and there are going to be applications that, that are suitable to run in public cloud versus private cloud, but there's always going to be a private cloud sort of an environment. You need to be able to provide the same economics, the same consistency, or better consistency, actually, because it's you've got more control over that environment. But you still need infrastructure on demand capabilities. Nutanix can deliver that because you can go from purchase order to running virtual machines in your own data center in less than 15 days, less than 10 days in some cases. Michael, you know, in addition to all those resources you mentioned, uh, can the Nutanix Sizer also help? Absolutely. So Nutanix Sizer is a great tool because it allows you to put in all of the different applications that you've got the specifications for those systems or take your existing inventory for example plug in that existing inventory and it will spit out a solution and a sized example and on how that would look in a Nutanix environment how much power and space it would consume how many racks you're going to need for it all of that sort of stuff and it can do that in just a matter of minutes so all of these are ways that you can shortcut you know, the process of getting to a, a known solution that's going to be acceptable, robust, and suitable for your particular business. I mean, to get started, first thing to do is talk to somebody from Nutanix, and it could be anybody, um, and you can get us through any means, uh, a trade show, Twitter, email, uh, you know, phoning, phoning up. Um, everybody across the entire company across the globe is happy to help. Um, and I think one of the best things we've got going for us is an absolute team environment where everybody helps everybody else out. And we're 100% committed to good customer uh, relations and making sure we deliver the best result for a customer, even to the point 
if we don't think it's a good solution for the customer, we will say, look, we don't think this is a good idea. And I've had to do that in a couple of cases where the solution technically could have worked, but it wasn't the best solution for the customer's requirements. And it was potentially going to introduce some risk. Now, I'll give you the exact example because this is important. A customer came to me and said, we've got this Oracle database. It's running Oracle 10G. It's an Oracle application that Oracle doesn't support anymore because we customized it too heavily. We've got it on a traditional three-tier architecture. Do you think we could put it on Nutanix? And it's also not just Oracle Rack, it's Oracle 10G, but it's Oracle Rack 10G. Now, technically, the answer is yes, we could have done it. Is that a good idea? No, it's not a good idea because, for one, it's not supported by the software vendor. For two, that version of Oracle is not supported in a virtualized environment on either Hyper-V or VMware or anything else. For three, you're making a massive architectural change to an application that's functioning today, and that introduces a potential risk to the business, some unknown risks, especially with all those supportability concerns. So that is an example of something that's not a good idea to virtualize. Now, if they could have upgraded it to Oracle Rack 11G, it would have been fine. But because of the way the application had been modified over time, it was not in a supportable state that it could be upgraded. They couldn't even upgrade the database. They couldn't upgrade the application. So it would basically had to stay as it was. And that is really the only example where migrating to this new uh, you know, hyper-converged world is not a good idea at the moment until that application can be modified or upgraded or replaced. Now, in the case of this particular customer, they were an existing Nutanix customer, one of the largest this was a particular app that they had out at some of their warehouses around the globe, and the plan was to uh, to basically move away from this application within the next two to three years anyway. Um, so for the sake of waiting two to three years, which in application terms is not very long when it comes to enterprise apps, they were, it just wasn't a good idea to take that additional risk. When you deal with business-critical apps, in all cases, it's about reducing risk and having a better result for the customer. If we think that it's not a good idea to put that on a Nutanix platform, we're going to just tell you straight up. There's no point wasting your time or wasting our time beating around the bush for something that's not going to work. We'd much rather help you with the things that are going to work and that we know we're going to get good results rather than the things that are going to be just not a good solution overall. Do customers, do you think, come to the table being open to your recommendations when they have like a legacy app or something they're running either to upgrade it to the latest or to migrate to an alternate? In a lot of cases, it takes time to do those upgrades, and the infrastructure is the least complicated part of the solution. The application is definitely the most complicated part. So in a lot of cases, they are open to it if they're in the right position, but sometimes those that, that, that is not possible right now. In that case, it's something they need to plan for longer term. But there are a lot of customers right now that are in the position to change, that are looking for something that's better, and they uh, definitely are open to those uh, suggestions, especially when you show them the low-risk approach to, to achieving it and taking a methodical approach to these types of projects. Great. Well, that's great, Michael. So if folks uh, want to find you online or anywhere, where, where, where can they um, can contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my blog, longwhiteclouds.com, um, there's a contact form on the author page. I'm also on Twitter, at vcdxnz001 uh, it's probably the best place to get me I'm also on LinkedIn if you googled uh, Webscale Webster or if you googled uh, Nutanix Oracle Rack uh, you'd be able to find me I've also got a channel on YouTube so I'm pretty easy to get uh, through any of these means awesome thanks so much Michael great talking to you today thanks very much everybody 
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow Nutanix on Twitter for the latest news and announcements. Subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or have a topic idea, let me know at community at Nutanix.com. I'm Angelo Luciani. I'm Laura Whalen. And I'm John Mark Troyer. We'll see you next time.